2: Hey there, everybody. Welcome into Hail Yes, a Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan Athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan beat writer for the free, joined by Reiner Sabin, our Big Ten insider. Busy week coming up, Reiner, and we, we've been saying that a lot, but uh, it's that time of year. It's November, two games left, uh, but before uh, another game, uh, the next time I will see you, I believe, uh, will be in, in court Unfortunately, uh, not for either of us. Um, but before we talk about that,
0: how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, it should be an interesting week. Uh, Jim Harbaugh versus the Big Ten is arguably more compelling, interesting theater than Michigan versus Maryland. But uh, there are there is still a game to be played and uh, football is why we're here.
2: And we will discuss both. That is also why we're here. Uh, and this Michigan is saying this is not a trap game, right? That That is one of the three things that we'll be talking off the start about. Uh, this is not a trap game. Uh, and if Michigan wins, this will be the 1,000th victory. Uh, so uh, two notable thoughts there. But as we said, everything starts with Jim Harbaugh, as it often does. Uh, and also, that is literally first because it's on Friday. Friday morning, 9 a.m., uh, Jim Harbaugh and the University of Michigan versus Big Ten. As you said, uh, the Big Ten suspended him. Uh, just about 24 hours before Michigan was set to play Penn State last week uh, for violation of the Big Ten sportsmanship policy, uh, he was not granted a temporary uh, restraining order. Instead, it was pushed back. That hearing is this Friday. And Reiner, you will be there. I do plan on coming as well in the morning. I uh, have a flight later to Maryland, but uh, as long as it's not too long, uh, I, will, I will be there as well. Um, does it matter? what what happens or i guess i mean it's not does it matter right but like in what ways does does the harbaugh outcome matter
0: i mean i think it would uh appease obviously michigan folks and give them a sense of retribution in some ways that they are able to get this restraining order if it does indeed get uh handed down to them uh and uh yeah i think you know for them uh having harbaugh out there is gonna you know uh as a show of defiance, I guess the, against the Big Ten, and uh, you know, gives them some lever. I mean, some semblance of victory in that sense over the conference. But uh, from an optic standpoint, I think it would help. Uh, maybe you know, present uh, their case a little bit better. I guess that you know, somebody from a, a the bench, uh, a judge, sided with them and. In this capacity, but uh, at the same token, I don't know if it really has any much tangible effect on how the team will play or perform on Saturday
2: that's I guess that was more what I meant right mm-hmm. of course in, in the quarter it, it matters in terms of, of optics and everything but uh with with the game plan thrown Moore just put together with the fact Jim Harbaugh is on hand all week long with what the players are saying I mean we were asking him Tuesday night how much are you paying attention to it and they're try they've all uh pretty unanimously said uh they are not pay- paying attention uh to what happened and uh I guess as far as Fans or outsiders are concerned in the, in the way it's perceived with, uh, with what a court win would mean. Um, I'm not making any referendum on Judge Tim Connors, but uh, he is a, a Michigan law lecturer, right, and has been for for a decade or so. I think he actually played, according to his file, he played football at Michigan in 1972. So as there will always be naysayers, people, even if he does side with Michigan, will I think will quickly point to
0: that. Yeah, I think that point is valid and uh, certainly the perception of uh how the ruling is handed down and uh who's presiding over the uh over this matter uh in case uh is definitely gonna be part of the discussion going forward. Uh yeah, I mean it, it's it's a strange situation. Uh you know, Jim Harbaugh talked Monday about wanting due process and you know, he referenced uh, you know, uh, experience I guess he had in a civics class where he said his big takeaway was that you're innocent until proven guilty. I mean, I feel like he was trying to appeal to his base. Uh, I don't think, you know, some people are uh, necessarily as receptive on the outside of the Michigan, you know, sphere, I guess, uh, to, w- w- you know, what he's arguing and and such. And uh, And it'll be interesting to see if he actually speaks or whether it's just going to be handled by his lawyers.
2: Well, and I wonder if that's part of what he meant about also on Monday, Jim Harbaugh was saying that he thinks this is America's team now, right? And he says America loves an underdog, uh I mean, I don't think Michigan has yet to be an underdog. <laughs> I know they've yet to be their favorite by three touch- plus touchdowns every game, but I guess what he means is uh, when when someone feels like like the man, whoever the man is, is out to get them or or Big Brother, right? And just and you and you need to bond together and pull yourself up from your from your bootstraps or what have you. But I thought uh, I thought it was a, gr- a great question uh, th- that you asked her on more today because uh, at, at one time uh, Jim Harbaugh is saying that this is America's team and. Everybody is united in one front, and this should be the team that represents America. But at the same time, Trone Moore showed up to uh, today Wednesday's press conference wearing a shirt that said Michigan versus everybody. Uh, right? So is is everybody against you, or are you uh, sort of what what represents everybody? I guess was was your question.
0: Yeah, and I mean this is again the mixed messaging that's coming out of the program. I mean, only a couple of weeks before, I mean, you know, Blake Quorum and Colson Loveland were basically saying like we like to be the bullies. Now they're like, you know, again, leaning into the whole victim situation, uh, too. And so you're, you have the Michigan versus everybody, and then you have America's team. So which is it? I mean, uh, and this is why I think, you know, the public perception of Michigan, at least outside is, you know, uh, not favorable. And I think people are, you know, questioning why Michigan is, uh, has, has reacted this way and, Kind of played itself as the victim when, arguably, you know, as the Big Ten letter laid out this ongoing uh, advanced scouting scheme, which is designed to, uh, according to the Big Ten, gain an unfair advantage uh, through sign stealing. And I think anybody uh, would come to the same conclusion. uh, Was it was going on many years, and you know, I mean, arguably, you can say that you know a lot of these other programs that were potentially affected by this, they're the ones that are the victims. So, like, I mean, you know, I think some people are a little bit outraged that Michigan has taken the same, uh, you know, or or tried to put forth this idea that they've been somewhat persecuted in this whole matter. And, you know, I think that's why the reaction after Sharon Moore's uh, post-game interview was so strong. And some people are questioning why, you know, he presented, like, you know, again, that it seemed like Harbaugh was... You know, gone. I mean, he's not even suspended during the week. I mean, he's missing a game, and they've shown they've they're undefeated four and zero right now in games that he hasn't coached.
2: True, good point. Um, but however, it is presenting to the public what matters is what's actually happening and sure. this is bringing the team closer together right it doesn't it doesn't matter um I, I mean certainly there will be a day and a time when it matters who's right who's wrong what happened but as far as how it is affecting the team internally uh situations like this either will r- create a rift and will fracture things or bring them together and drone Moore said as much uh, today he said I mean this was he said they, they knew this was a a tighter like a senior led group right I mean how many people came back who could have I mean easily half a do- dozen more guys could have gone on and I'm not saying good first round NFL draft picks but Trevor Keegan Zach Zinter Chris Jenkins Blake Corum right I mean I mean just to name a few all could have could have gone on uh, but but they came back and so since that time they were they were saying these things and if you're Michigan. You, are go- you have no other line of thinking or line. There's nothing else to do, uh, I mean, other than say, yes, we're guilty, punish us, than to say, look, what Jerome Moore said, hey, when you're at the top, everyone's going to come for you, right? And if you are Michigan, uh, it does seem as if the NCAA has has had an affinity for, for attacking your program or, or making sure that they enforce uh, even what appear to be some ticky-tack things uh, or not so ticky-tack things, depending on who you are. Uh, who you're asking uh, and then now the big 10 right and that's why Michigan is saying and then the big 10 did themselves no favors uh, and Tony Petiti did himself absolutely no favors with the timing of of uh, of the suspension and right wrong or indifferent it creates the optics that they were that they wait that they waited for it. I I tend to think they they kind of oh. did and whether Michigan deserved that or not Michigan can use it to say, see, like, like, look at this light. And so,
0: well, if you, I mean, um, you know, as the letter, I guess kind of uh, uh, alluded to that Michigan asked for an extension. So that led to the Wednesday deadline uh, and Big Ten had to, you know, process and and look at the filing that, you know, Michigan presented uh, to them. uh, And so that's what led to the maybe delayed enforcement of uh of the the big 10 sportsmanship policy and the letter that was sent at that time so i don't know if it's so much the big Ten's fault as it is maybe it was michigan's fault you know yeah, maybe michigan so, should have gotten it in
2: on tuesday i i've, yeah. I've heard i think that that's a fair that's a fair argument I mean,
0: yeah i mean but, it's like you know
2: i just i just find it hard to believe that the big 10 like I don't know if the big, Ten, the big 10, I mean, they're not obligated to act with the same sense of urgency Michigan has in this matter. Right. Like, um, and so if that's when they got back to, I mean, I'm not saying they were going out to lunch before they're <laughs> going through these briefs, but it did not. A lot of this is optics. A lot of things are just how are just what it, because we're not even, even us, right. Who, who cover the report, who cover the team, talk to, to some of the movers and shakers, we're still not in the room, right? So a lot of it is what it, just how how it looks.
0: Perhaps, yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, I just think, you know, again, it's it's hard for Michigan to sell the idea that, you know, on one hand, they're America's team. And then on the other one, they're like the expendables. I mean, they're like, uh, you know, exiled from society and they're, you know, they're fighting against, you know, everybody. Uh, So which is it? I mean, and that's the question that they have to answer themselves. Uh, And I don't think they (laughs) I don't think they can sell both ideas. I mean, you either lean into one or the other. I think the team, like you have alluded to, has probably leaned into the Michigan versus everybody, which is probably the most useful trying to present yourself as America's team is not the most useful. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys have not won a Super Bowl since 1995, so it hasn't worked for them very much. So maybe Michigan should take the Michigan versus everybody uh, way of doing things.
2: Right. And the team that, uh, Jim Harbaugh mentioned by name this week was not the Dallas Cowboys. It was actually, in fact, the Green Bay Packers when he was talking about, uh, what Michigan could do this weekend when Michigan goes for its 1000th win, right? He mentioned how the Green Bay Packers, the winningest NFL team, uh, in in history uh Valdesta Georgia they had like 794 wins Valdesta Georgia in high school 951 wins and then he said the Michigan Wolverines NCAA football 999 uh going for win 1000 and so that is another layer uh, of of this weekend right uh so m- maybe Michigan does not need Jim Harbaugh on the sideline to beat Maryland but uh Mike Elston, defensive line coach, we talked to today, sure, uh, said it would be a shame in his mind if Jim Harbaugh was not there uh, for this week. Uh, Sharon Moore said he's like he's like, hey, as far as I'm concerned, it's Jim Harbaugh's win anyway. I'm just the guy uh, holding it down. But uh, that would that would be a little because Jim has been talking about this for for a little while, right? And he is he always loves to be like right. He loves to call on Jack Harbaugh, Mister Michigan history buff. I mean that I think that would really sting for Jim if he wasn't there on Saturday.
0: I would, I would, I would think so too. I mean, just judging by his, uh, uh, you know, affinity, you know, for the program and, you know, his knowledge of the history and having grown up in Ann Arbor and, you know, his dad being the assistant coach there and being a ball boy and, uh, all the way till now, I mean, playing, I mean, playing as a quarterback for Bo Schembechler, uh, is the most iconic coach at Michigan. And then, you know, going forward, uh, uh to being the head coach. Uh, starting in 2015 to now, and then, you know, getting the program to this point where, you know, they've had a lot of success in the last few years. Um, Although then that success is being called into question, obviously with the related to the, you know, Connor Stallions matter. And uh, it's just a peculiar time to be going for your thousandth win. Because again, there is so much uh, scrutiny on the program for all this other bad stuff that it kind of blots out, you know, the significance of, this moment and this milestone achievement because people are questioning whether even if this win will stand, you know, because or not this win, but the previous wins that led up to it will stand, especially if they're all you know, if the NCAA ultimately vacates them. Although I don't know uh, what that will really do, uh, other than affect the record books, you know, whatsoever. But that's that's another uh, layer to this whole thing. Uh, what could possibly be taken away down the line
2: right and you couldn't Michigan have another chance for for its thousandth <laughs> win so, so sort of thing right um but I guess that's those, those questions are gonna get answered uh but but in in the here and now I mean Michigan Jim Harbaugh said at the beginning of the season he said in our wildest dreams we were hoping on the 11th game to be going going for a chance to be 11 and0 and a chance at that at that win he said if not maybe in that last game against Ohio state would have been the next best thing. Right. So um, I mean, when he was asked about this uh, mid, like so there's like a in, in history, right. There's a D there's BC, right. We need like a between suspensions, right. Like suspension one, this is suspension two, like in between suspension when we had cool gym, right. When he said he was going to be, when we had cool gym for four weeks, uh, he w- he was talking about all the different things that he wanted to do and the program to do for the south right. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it does matter. But um we might be getting ahead of ourselves if we just write this up as a, as a thousand, as the 1000th win, excuse me, easy enough for for me to say because uh Quentin Johnson uh defensive back uh said that they were all in a meeting, Michigan was in a meeting uh earlier this week and some of the players said this might be they called it the best 6 and 4 team in America. Now what that says, I'm not sure, but uh but Michigan is not taking Maryland lightly. Uh, and Maryland does have something that Michigan has not seen this year, and that's a good passing attack.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, uh, you know, last year they were able to move the ball quite well against them. Uh, you know, Maryland, uh, and that was with a different OC, Dan Enos. Now they have Josh Gaddis, the former Michigan OC. But uh, you know, again, it's it's Loxley's emphasis is on offense. That's his background. Mike Loxley, the head coach, and so. Uh, they've always shown that they can move the ball pretty effectively uh since he's been there uh at Maryland. And so uh yeah, I think it's gonna potentially be their biggest challenge defensively for sure, because um, you know, the one thing that Michigan has sometimes struggled with is the mobile quarterbacks, Toledo Tungabailoa is uh a mobile quarterback. Um uh, and so I think that uh containing him in the pocket, uh you know, trying to uh prevent the fact that you know he can extend plays and and get guys open and uh uh limiting him is going to be a, probably their biggest challenge so far this season as far as a, a defense is concerned.
2: Yeah, Mike Elston the defensive line coach again uh helped, helped me understand uh, the, the Michigan's game plan a little bit better today when we were asking him about that, because he was talking and you could really picture it, right? If you've watched any of Maryland f- football, there are times he said, it's not about scheming up one-on-one matchups this week is about moving as a unit. And that made a lot of sense to me, right? Cause there are times where you can dial up a free edge, like uh, get a linebacker, right? Just with a full head of speed downhill and to, to Leah uh, a little to a, whatever you want to call him, just hits a little shake. And, and a free rusher, I mean, he just blows right by him, right? And so uh, Elston said it is it is about moving as one, collapsing the pocket around uh, Talia. And if he does escape the pocket, it's fine, so long as that escape is backwards or sort of out out and funneled back, right? Not stepping up uh, and, and into the middle. And um, just taking a look at, at some of his numbers a little deeper, uh, if Michigan Michigan is going to win this game, likely, but certainly – uh, if they are able to generate pressure, because uh, Tagovailola is completing just 38.6% of his passes this year when he's under pressure, four touchdowns, and uh, and four interceptions. When he's not pressured and he has a clean pocket, 73% completions, 18 touchdowns. So, uh, I mean, just get it. But, but also, one more number for you, Reiner. Uh, it's not just about, like we said, getting pressure with the blitz, because he's actually good against the Blitz. He completes 59% of his passes, has 14 touchdowns, and two of his picks, right? So it's not like all of his interceptions, he has eight interceptions. Only a couple are coming against the Blitz, and so it's not like, oh, if you need pressure, just send more people, and then he's going to mess up. No, it's about the right type of pressure.
0: You can bet, though, that Josh Gaddis is going to have some stuff schemed up, uh, particularly for this game. They probably saved some stuff, too, because, I mean, he, you know, he left on some kind of you know, not so great terms when he, when he departed and, uh, um, you know, and so I think, yeah, there's, there's probably a little bit of bitterness, uh, on his end. So I I would assume he's probably got some interesting things, uh, planned for, for Michigan. He's going to pull out all the stops to try to, try to get some kind of, uh, personal retribution, I guess, maybe against, uh, uh, even though he left voluntarily to go to Miami, uh, that ended up being a disaster for him, and which led him to Maryland to reunite with Loxley, who was, uh, with him and kind of, uh, you know, helped mentor him a little bit when he was at, when they were both at Alabama. Uh, you know, it's interesting also that Michigan is using uh, Alex Orgy as the scout team QB. I mean, we heard about Alex Orgy perhaps being the greatest kick returner of all time, according to Jim Harbaugh. And, uh, Well, that hasn't quite, um, materialized So I guess, I mean, this is what generally what he's, uh, you know, kind of been used at, uh, to help give these kind of looks, uh, because of his mobility. Um, he's definitely played, uh, mostly as quarterback, uh, and you saw him at the end of the Michigan state game, you know, score a touchdown as a runner, um, you know, at the, at the end of that game. So, uh, it it is interesting that they're using him as the scout team quarterback just to get that that mobile look uh that you know Talia Tangaba presents. Of course, Tungavailoa can do a lot more in the passing game than say a Orgy can.
2: Yeah, he has. And I yeah. think that might help Michigan. Like I mean, Michigan's done a great job of one and one one and oh, one and oh, being very focused, right? But I think the fact that like, hey, this is actually is a capable team offensively, right? Yeah. If, 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 it was a, if it was a team with the same sort of recipe, like fake good, like a Nebraska or a Penn State where they don't have an offense, they have a good defense, sort of, but like no offense. I don't think Michigan would like – Then and there may actually – then Michigan could overlook them, but they're still too talented to actually lose to them, if that makes sense. Maryland is good enough where Michigan doesn't even have, like, the luxury of, like, oh, let's just focus on Ohio State. Maryland, Michigan, I mean, keep in mind, last year, Michigan only beat Maryland by a touchdown in Ann Arbor, and they got off to a 7-0 start 15 seconds into the game after Maryland fumbled a kickoff kickoff. off their Mm -hmm. face, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, so Maryland technically received the opening kick, and Michigan was up 7-0 10 seconds in. And so, but after that, I mean, it was, I mean, with two, with talking about Lola and Hemby, and I mean, it was, it was a dog fight last year. And so.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I all, got hurt dinged up in that game a little bit at one point. And, uh, and that, that, that also affected things. Uh, some of the momentum, I think from Maryland standpoint too. Uh, my thinking is that Michigan also tried just to use its offense uh, uh, to, to shorten the game and limit their offensive possessions too. So I want to, I I think uh, Maryland's defense is pretty pliable, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, just hammer away at them with the running game again a little bit um, just to kind of keep the time of possession in their favor and also limit possessions for for Maryland.
2: Yeah. And then one here's another thing I think I that I could see resulting uh, if, if that is the case. Right. Michigan starts putting up these long drives and Maryland sees the game is shortening and they start pressing. you got to get seven. Each drive becomes more important. That's when the turnovers start, right? Right. So I think mm-hmm. has thrown at least one pick in four of his last five games. I believe eight picks on the year. Uh, he is, he is susceptible to the, to the turnover. And so that's, so if, <laughs> and I mean, Michigan has won outside of the Bowling Green game. I believe Michigan, I don't think Michigan has been on the wrong side. Of the turnover margin in the game this year, and so
0: yeah, uh, I, I, and, and Mar- Maryland's just not a very disciplined team. I mean, they're you know not, they, never they, have, they, never been. Been, they never have, they never have, they never been under Loxley. and it's just uh, it's been their kind of uh, Achilles' heel in a lot of ways. I mean, the turnovers and penalties they you know they tend to shoot themselves in the foot, which is why they can't win these big games How- generally.
2: How many times have we watched this exact same Maryland thing, right? I mean, three and
0: and zero in the non-con,
2: right? I mean, this year they even, I mean, they even more sort of Charlie Brown you with the football. They went, they got to five and zero because they rattled off a couple of Big Ten wins early, and mm-hmm. it was, and then I, I mean, even I, uh, so I, I can't remember. I think I did. Put them like 24, 25 in my AP poll. Uh, they never cracked the rankings. They got up to twenty six. They never actually were ranked, even when they were five and zero. But I remember Mike Loxley, If you remember when we were in Indianapolis in the summer, he was saying like, "We're talking about Big Ten championships, right?" Like he's like, "Before he's like, he's like, you never heard us say that word before this year, but but now like we finally think we have systems in place." And uh, <laughs> that sounded really good five weeks ago when uh, when they, when they were five and zero, or six weeks ago. But um. I mean they had a four game losing streak and although they do they do have a little bit of momentum. They just beat Nebraska on the road uh for what that's worth on a field goal as time expired. But you you sort of transitive property this out. Both Michigan and Maryland played Nebraska at Nebraska. Michigan was up forty-five to zero. Maryland needed a, a kick as time expired. So, just <laughs> for what it's worth, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Now's now's the time for a break. Uh, and on the other side, this is the first game that we will predict. We will bring in Andrew Burkle, uh, and we'll uh, we'll take a look at the picks all around college football. Uh, don't go anywhere. This is Hail Yes. All right, as promised, we are back, and now we're better because we have Andrew Burkle, Andrew, uh, week twelve of the college football slate. Do you have? How, how do you feel when you look at, at the slate? Do you feel you have learned about these teams? Do you have a better feel, uh, or, or, or are you kind of like me, where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, st- I'm still, the- still kind of coin flipping a lot of these games. Well, the first thought I had when I looked at this schedule was, that's pretty.
3: Pretty poopy, uh, you know, poopy slate here. Uh, God, the games this week are not not great. I mean, we have Michigan, Maryland. There's obviously a lot surrounding the Wolverines and and the lead-ups to the Ohio State game. Got Washington, Oregon State is a pretty good game, and we'll get to those later. But really not a, a ton of ranked matchups uh, this week. But that's kind of by design. Uh, rivalry week next week with, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Auburn. So much good football next week. Uh, so it, it does check out. But like you said, I think we're all sitting – like right near 500 so uh, it is essentially a coin flip but but we're doing our best and
2: have had some up and downs here yeah. all right and let's uh, now now let's see uh, if we can uh, we have had been stringing some some winning weeks together though uh, and let's see if we can keep that going uh, I think Michigan and Maryland's where we start what is the spread on that spread is 19, 19. Uh, so Michigan on the road. Uh, Tony, I guess we'll start with you. Who do you who do you got in this uh,
3: this Big Ten East battle?
2: Yeah, you know, I've been thinking. I think I have picked Michigan to cover, not just to win, but to cover every single week uh, this year. That did not start out uh, very well in the non-con. That was zero 3 three. It was better uh, for for a while. I think it is five and five. I think Michigan is now five and five against the spread in ten games, uh, and so. With that, which way, uh, I, I'm a little hesitant to pick Michigan again just because of finding this run game formula. Uh, and, and Maryland is a more potent offense. They just they can put up points that other teams can't. But well, Michigan is just too good. Michigan is just that much better than Maryland on every side of the ball. So uh, somehow, someway, Michigan will win by more than 19. Uh, so I'm taking the Wolverines to cover.
0: Yeah, I went back and forth on this one cuz I mean Penn State absolutely demolished Maryland and they have a really good defense just like Michigan does and um, you know, but at the same token I just think maybe with all the stuff that's been accumulating uh lately, I don't know if Michigan has its another crisp performance. It was a lot of emotion in that Saturday game against Penn State and, you know, the uncertainty again of whether Harbaugh's going to be there or not be there uh factoring in and hanging over this entire week of practice whereas like we didn't really know anything until till friday it wasn't really that didn't feel that palpable as it does now where uh the the harbaugh uh suspension has already been experienced and then you also don't know again whether he's going to be there for that uh you know opportunity to achieve the thousands win so um and i think maryland has again a capable offense and could give michigan a little bit of fits you know just because of uh is mobility again they have sometimes struggled against those types of quarterbacks so i'm just going to take maryland in this and the fact that it's also at home uh also leads me to it leads me to do that but very hesitant pick there too
2: not dogging you at all uh, about about the pick, but before we get to Andrew, uh, I, I would almost argue, Reiner, that your point sort of helped, helped, helped sort of the, the Michigan side of the argument. Just last week, there was even more uncertainty, right? It was that last minute, and uh, and that's when you find out Jim Harbaugh can't go, right? You would think that would sort of throw them for a loop. This week, uh, they're preparing for it all week. If he's there, great. If not, okay, that's all right, too. Um And so I I just think that that that, that was – it's interesting how we both look at that differently, right? Like that was part of my rationale for like, oh, things have sort of settled and normalized a little bit.
0: Well, but I think Harbaugh might be a little bit more distracted because there is this hearing. I don't know how much he's going to participate, if he's going to participate at all. So I don't know if he's doing any preparation work with that. But I don't think his mind is completely focused on the game. I don't think it can be um, unless he's got amazing – ability to compartmentalize things and just to block out the one thing that actually might have more bearing on, you know, his, his, you know, immediate future than that's really the game. So I don't know how he, you know, that's going to affect his, you know, the preparation, how involved he is and uh, just his temperament even throughout the week. So it's uh, it's something that uh, that's the reason why I, I kind of you know thought that it might have more of a factor than say, um, it did the previous week when there was a little bit there was no clarity on when the Big Ten, if they were gonna rule against him or suspend him or do anything about with him, uh and or would come down at any ruling necessarily right before the game.
3: I'm gonna i I'm gonna stay on the same lot of thinking as you here, Reiner. Uh, nineteen just kind of it feels like this should be more like a seventeen point spread to me. Uh Maryland is not not bad. they move the ball up and down the field. Um, but they, they kind of beat themselves, which is obviously why. That spread is so high, but I, I don't expect uh, a, a total blowout here. And, and the other thing is, you know, you can say it's not going to be a trap game. You can talk about it not being a trap game. Uh, but there's emotion and, and, and get-up games, as they call them, for a reason. And, and, and you know, there's an ebbin Evan flows to a season. And, and, you know, showing that it's not a trap game and saying it's not a trap game are, are slightly different things. So uh, Michigan, obviously, I think will win. Uh, but I, I, I'm going to take the 19 points uh, in uh, Maryland there. So uh, briefly tease this game, Washington at Oregon state, uh, perhaps a little bit of surprise uh, that Oregon state, despite Washington right beyond, being right on the precipice of being in the college football playoff, there is an underdog at Oregon state. So two and a half point uh, favorites uh, for Oregon state uh, runner. Who are you taking?
0: I'm taking Washington. I mean, I've, I've, felt confident about Washington this whole year and i think you know again michael penix is a gritty kind of quarterback seems to always deliver in, in in clutch situations i know washington has has had its ups and downs offensively this year uh some sometimes they've looked like lights out sometimes not so great but overall i think you know the uh, he he's he's comes to play in in these big matchups and i'm sure Again, they, they see that Oregon State is uh, you know, favored to win this game, uh, according to the Vegas odds maker. So uh, I'm going to go with Washington here.
2: And there is a reason that Oregon State is favored to win this game, right? Uh, I mean, you need it is, it is a tough strategy and it is a tough ask to beat Washington. Few teams uh, have done it in recent years, and nobody has done it this year, right? But one way to do it to keep a potent offense off from scoring points is to keep them off the field uh and oregon state it, and damian martinez uh if you don't know the running back uh he's a he's a bulldozer right i mean my man is six foot 230 pounds averages like six and a half yards a carry he's already rushed for a thousand yards this year uh and he is the he he's the real deal um and so like people know oregon state because former clemson quarterback do we dj Uyagulele is there but this but this is not i mean this is a a rock fight smash mouth team that I think brings the hammer to Washington on senior night in Corvallis. Uh, This is a tough two week stretch. Oregon state has Washington and then somehow has to get up to play uh, its final rivalry game against, or uh, against Oregon, or or I guess I don't know if they've, I don't know if they've been able to keep that, that rivalry alive, but the the last meeting is as PAC 12 teams. Um, So it is a big stretch. Uh, However, uh Jonathan Smith who uh is a popular coaching candidate name in in Michigan State circles he's Oregon State's coach has the Beavers rolling uh i i i like Oregon State to to win and cover that's the uh that's the
3: old broadcaster in you there tony taking a shot on dj Oh, Ungalungale or what? I can never <laughs> say his name, but you you just mix it right in there confidently. So I I I've got to shout you out there
2: with the broadcast background there. We try, we try. I mean, I th- I might have botched it, but if you say it confidently, it
3: sounds perfect. I'm know not what, gonna lie, but I know yeah, I guess yeah. it.
2: You, you just, but you just, you just power through it. DJ, <laughs> DJ gonna, like, it's, dude, whatever. It's, it's like it's Giannis, uh, Giannis and Tua.
0: That
2: one I got. That one, I've got. Yeah, Antetokounmpo.
3: Antetokounmpo.
0: Yes, that
2: one I got.
3: Yeah, Giannis on That one, that one. But with all those letters, you just start powering through and just hope for the best. (laughs) But (laughs) you're right. uh, I am also going with Washington here. Uh, I think this two and a half point spread is a little disrespectful to Washington. To be honest, Um, it feels like Washington should maybe be like a one or a two point favorite. Uh, Oregon State, don't get me wrong. They are like Tony said. They're smash mouth football. They're a tough out this year. That that's really what they are. They're tough to beat uh, because of that run first style that they play with. Uh, they've got competent. Uh, they've got a competent quarterback. They've got a, a good running back. But Washington uh, has played the devil a little bit here this, this last few weeks. But they've they've been finding ways to win. And I think that high powered offense with huge stakes on the line here. You you have to take care of business here to have a chance at, at the playoff here. So uh, I am rolling with Washington uh, and Michael Penix and those receivers. I mean, that's just they they are, they are next level. And you're going to see a lot of those receivers playing on, yep. on Sundays in, mm-hmm. in the future. Those are those are next level uh, weapons out there. So uh, I, I don't know if o- Oregon State can keep up with them.
2: Roma Dunze is I'm probably yeah. uh, the but he's well he's, actually I think it might be Marvin know. Harrison no, Jr. I mean Marvin Harrison yeah, Jr. and yeah, Keon Coleman, but mm-hmm. I, I'd say though I mean he's he's in that in that top echelon. He yeah. is. I mean this is, I mean. is one of the best receiver
3: receiver classes in yep. recent memory. Well, I mean holy cow, like Col- Keon Coleman, most years would have a really strong argument. Marvin Harrison is just going to run away with it. Romo Dunze would
2: normally have a really strong case. I mean, there's
3: there are some serious receivers across the country this
2: year. He's 6'3", 215, 1,100 receiving yards, averaging 18.5 yards a catch.
3: How many That's touchdowns? Crazy. I feel like every time I nine. watch, he's, he's nine. Nine, nine. Yeah. nine. only nine. <laughs> oh, wow. Poor. Marvin Harrison's like had 10, I think, coming out this week, and then he obviously went off against Michigan State, three touchdowns So. Probably locked up their award with that uh, with that last week, yep. but yeah, yep, that's a wrap. All right, let's stay in the Pac-12, uh, UCLA and USC for one final time in the Pac-12 here uh, before they move to the Big Ten. Tony's a nemesis, USC. Uh, we'll start with you here because you always have strong USC takes, Tony.
2: Yeah, and and it has done wonders. Fading USC has just been uh, the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, And so I think this might be the week where I'm riding it one week too far. uh, There is a ton of smoke about what's going on uh, in uh, in L.A. And we're not talking about uh, the Trojans. Right. Uh, UCLA Bruins, Chip Kelly. Sounds like he's out after this game. So is he able to get him up one last time and fight and band together? Or uh, is Dante Moore's NIL deal? Up in flames, and he's already looking where the next place to go. I mean, it, it stinks. Uh, they they've only put up 17 points of offense in the last two weeks combined, uh, losing a couple of games in a row. However, what is the magic elixir for a struggling offense? Face USC's defense; it's like you're playing no one. Uh, so I think I don't know if UCLA wins, but they will put up they will put up at least 30, and and that is saying something because their offense has been horrible and I think it's enough to keep it close and keep it in touchdown so I don't like this one this is I this is this might be one of our hardest slates to pick uh thus far at least for me um and this might have been the hardest one but it's just it's Prince it's a principal game UCLA
0: yeah I mean uh, maybe maybe but I mean again USC actually you know they they hung around with uh, Oregon and looked like you know I mean again that was a lot more competitive and the defense wasn't totally atrocious in that game. Uh, you know, they only allowed 36 and I just with the UCLA hasn't been putting up points and so they don't look good. You got this stuff hanging around, uh, you know, the rumors, I mean, that are hovering above the program right now with, uh, with Chip Kelly's status. Uh, it I don't know. It just doesn't look good for UCLA in this game. And I think USC, I mean, they've already dealt with the, the Alex Grinch uh, removal and, you know they've got they're a couple of weeks removed from that, and so I think that they've that somewhat maybe stabilized how much motivation they have. I don't know, but again, it is UC, USC U, UCLA. It's a you know crosstown rivalry, uh, and you know their biggest uh, rivalry game, arguably maybe Notre Dame is. I don't know, but I would I would assume for USC that UCLA is probably that. So I would think that you know there is some. Bragging rights and motivation on the line for them, and they, you know, have to salvage something from this season. So, why not beat UCLA, your, your, your crosstown rival? So, yeah, I'm, I'm picking USC in this game. Yeah. As much as that pains me to say, because again, I've kind of come over to your side on, on the terrible nature of their, their defense and their fraudulent, uh, you know, ways. Yeah. Fraudulent ways. Fraudulent ways. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But you know, UCLA looks pretty weak this year. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I actually kind of just, I'm
3: a little surprised actually by, by this Chip Kelly decision, just going through their schedule. First of all, UCLA moving into a really tough conference here with the big 10. I mean, you can like the the big 10 of this year of your, of yeah, your yesterday or whatever they whatever that state saying is is it's not there anymore. I mean, I, don't laugh at me, Tony. The <laughs> yesteryear? year, yester year, I couldn't think of the. The Big Ten of your yester year is no longer there. I mean, this is gonna be a tough conference, and some of their some of their losses this year like have been close games, like uh, Oregon State on the road. Okay, that seems like a tough game at Utah. You know. They beat Washington State, who's actually been kind of a tough out this year, uh, on the road at Arizona, who's now ranked. Like those are their losses this year. They only they like I, I just think that the that they may be overreacting to the season here. Uh, with that said, uh, USC's offense has been really you know no matter who they've been facing, they've been putting points on the board. Uh, Twenty seven at Oregon, which was a really tough spot. Forty two against Washington. Fifty against Cal. You know, 32 against Utah, who is always tough to score on. I mean, I mean, I think that this that just going to become uh, too hard for UCLA to keep up in this game. So uh, I am rolling with the Trojans. But like you said, Tony, it's kind of a weird game, and I, I don't feel that great about that pick either. So final game here, moving to the SEC, uh, Georgia at Tennessee, 10-point uh, 10 favorites. Uh, Tony finishes off here.
2: Yeah, I I feel really good about this pick, which is certainly something to worry about, but Georgia is a much better football team than Tennessee. I liked them by much more than 10 points, so I will take Georgia to win by more than 10 points. That's kind of the extent of my analysis on that one.
0: Yeah, Tennessee's fallen back, you know, under Josh Heupel uh, this year. I mean, uh, and to be honest with you, it was really expected. I mean, uh, Joe Milton's the quarterback. I just have not had much faith in Joe Milton ever since 2020. I mean, he's just uh, you know, he he bombed out in Michigan, and he's just not he's just not good enough. It doesn't compare to Hendon Hooker, and I mean, you know, the they also lost you know some obviously high profile receivers with the uh, Hyatt, you know, yeah, and you know, Deion Hyatt, and so like it's uh it just hasn't been a they're they're just not as strong a team across the board as they were last year. And Georgia, it's starting looking like they're getting their momentum going, especially offensively. Mm-hmm. Brock Bowers is back. Uh, you know, they just absolutely shredded uh Ole Miss and you know, they look like a national championship contender again. Uh it's really they're gaining steam at the right time. And so I I just think this is not a time for Tennessee to walk in and Georgia looks like a buzzsaw right now.
3: Totally agree. Uh I was the only thing that threw me off for this game was that spread of ten points. I was like, really? I mean, I, I just don't know what Tennessee has shown uh that they are on the same level of uh, as you know, nearly a two a one score game, kind of flirting with the one score game, ten points. Uh, Ole Miss just got blown off the field by Georgia, so uh, I'm rolling with the Bulldogs here in this one as well. I just, just let's not overthink it. Uh, you know, Tennessee not as good as Georgia. Gotta pick the Bulldogs. Uh, but plus, Georgia still has a lot to play for here um, because they've been kind of kind of slept on for the last few weeks by the College Football Committee. They finally got that number one spot. And I, do, I doubt they want to give it back uh, with the poor performance against Tennessee. So, uh, yeah. And one final note here, Michigan five, four, and one against the spread this year, Tony, uh, they did. They had that push remember earlier this year. Yeah, uh, that's right. Got, got it. got research on that one. So <laughs>
2: <That's>, uh, <laughs> thank you. Place. I'm glad we got, I'm to- glad we got Tony Reali on, uh, on there, on, on the back backend. <laughs> um, uh, but okay. We're going to, that was, we're going to wrap it there uh, for, for, before we go for one last segment uh, Michigan Hoops uh, pretty hot we're going to keep it short we're going to keep it sweet we'll keep Andrew around uh, and we're going to talk about uh, one of the surprising teams to start the 2023-24 college basketball season don't go anywhere this is Hail Yes
0: just going to run this
1: dog to see if we can find any
2: All right, welcome back, and we're going to wrap this show up uh, with the gridiron. On the gridiron, not the gridiron, on the hardwood. That's what I meant to say because <laughs> everything's about been football, football, football. Uh, see, I can't even talk basketball because we have just been so football-focused, but we've wanted to get to basketball as well. And uh, Michigan, 3-0, and uh, their most impressive win uh, just came on Monday against St. John's. Reiner, you look uh, confused. Can I help you? <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I just have not, I personally been as focused on basketball. So I think I'm going to defer to you on this conversation mostly, okay, but okay. I mean, it looks from the looks of it, the, the offense seems to be more free flowing than it was last year. <laughs> and you've got Doug McDaniel, who's, you know, stepped up, uh, you know, looks like he's, uh, taking the lead here with, you know, obviously Hunter Dickinson being gone, Jed Howard being gone, Kobe Bufkin being gone. Uh, And, you know, maybe there's addition by subtraction with Hunter Dickinson because everything seemed to go through him last year. I mean, you know, it it was uh, uh, something like that. I mean, from, from, you know, my observation, I guess, and, you know, in in something like uh, when you move on from a player that does suck up all the attention and uh, maybe the whole offense goes through and it has to be more democratic, then that allows other players to step up and maybe feel like they're, uh counted on and have more interest in in contributing to the offense so I don't know if that's your observation but I think that there's some kind of tangible effect there
2: there is no maybe about it it is 100 uh and it's not that Hunter Dickinson is not a tremendous college basketball player because he is um it's that this team like I don't need to see any more like I don't I don't know what this season is going to hold but the combination of these parts and and this has surprised me uh looks so much better than last year right and and they and arguably the the if you looked at both rosters and you picked the three best basketball players on either team they would all come from last year's team it would be hunter jet and kobe just as straight hoopers but i mean but as you said I mean the offense is flowing the ball is moving uh i mean in all three games someone has scored a career high Doug McDaniels had a career high. Then, then, I mean, Amari Burnett has a career high. Uh, Olivier Kamwa just missed a career high. He had 25. Will Cheddar had a career high with 20, right? I mean, it's different guys who are doing it. But one guy who has really impressed me is Terrence Williams. Uh, I was pretty tough on Terrence Williams last year, not in the the way you are on, on, on professionals, because these are just college athletes. But at the same token... Uh, the, the team needed more from him and did not get it. I think if there was one – I mean, you you could blame Hunter for, for being – for sucking up all the oxygen. You could blame Jet for just being sort of a – for not playing on defense and not trying those both of those things. But if Michigan had gotten mediocre, I mean average production at the four position, they cakewalk, cakewalk to the NCAA tournament. And, T- and Terrence Williams has just taken it in stride, and, and he looks like a new player. He looks – like the step they looked they had hoped that he would take last year uh i mean i think he has more than 12 points in all three games he didn't score he scored more than 12 points one time after the eastern game last year which was game two uh i, I mean he he's he's shooting it well he's still active on glass uh, and, and and there's a million other people you could talk about doug mcdaniel all big 10 looks like caliber type of skill right he's got it he's got to ex- extend it and show it but um I mean, they are really flashing. I'm I'm seriously impressed uh, early on. Andrew, what's impressed you the most? Yeah, I mean,
3: I think basketball is such a funny game, right? Because you watched you watch Connor Dickinson last night go for 27 and 21 against Kansas. Or against Kentucky for Kansas. Um, and it's just like, wow, you know, it must be really missing missing him. But you also, you know, forget that he literally was – completely like he breaks your defense as, as a unit. You know what I mean? Like if you have Hunter Dickinson back there, he does one thing. He stands in the paint. He stands with his arms really tall and he makes it, so, he makes it sometimes tough if you're coming directly into him outside of that, he would, he is, he is not a, a great or useful defensive player. Um, so he, he's a pretty good rebounder too, obviously he put up 21 rebounds last night. Yeah, so but he's not a good like, rim protector. No, nope, yeah. not at all. But he just stands. <laughs> if you get him out of position, it, it's over, right? He he's not good at rim protecting. He's not good at he he's just kind of takes up space down there. Well, now you've seen all the benefits of of you know Doug McDaniel being able to 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 have more space to cook. Uh, you know the offense seems more free flowing, and it's you know it's it's early. Uh, I think Michigan could maybe struggle a little bit in the half court, which is where Dickinson carried them last year. Uh, it, when they fa- faced in tougher competition, but they they look athletic. Um, they 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 seem you know, faster, uh, and and they're scoring a, a ton of points. I mean, 93 points per game? I mean, <laughs> I know you're not playing the greatest competition, but uh, there's other teams who were not playing great competition and who weren't scoring 93 a game. So uh,
0: well, uh, the defense,
3: know, which was maybe the question mark, it, has looked pretty strong.
0: The competition, though, I mean, it, it's hard to assess because, again, those the first two teams won their conference championship, uh, you know, uh, North Carolina, AT, um uh Asheville. Asheville, UNC North Asheville. North Carolina. Yeah, UNC Asheville, yes. And then also uh, Youngstown State. And then St. John's obviously being coached by Rick Pitino, though they lost to Pace University in the exhibition season. So I don't know what, you know, to really make of uh, St. John's, especially since they brought in a, a ton of transfers. And, you know, it usually takes a couple of months to... Uh, work that out. I mean, that's been the case with uh, Eric Musselman in Arkansas, where it, it's usually it takes two months before that team rounds into shape, and they're, they look really good by January or February. So maybe that's the case with St. John's as well. Uh, I mean, the other thing that's interesting is, I mean, I guess maybe we kind of overlooked, you know, going into the season, Michigan actually has a pretty good track record, at least under Howard, And his assistance of developing players, I mean, if you look at Kobe Bufkin, I mean, he made huge strides. Hunter Dickinson developed a three-point game that wasn't there at the beginning. I mean, he had no three-point shots his freshman year. And then now it seems like Terrence Williams has finally come around. So there is some development aspect that has been, you know, pretty decent as far as he's concerned now. I mean, again, the recruiting hasn't always been the best, I think, there. And sometimes the roster construction but they've actually developed the players, you know, at, at Michigan and like, you, you've seen progress there.
2: Right. Well, well roster construction seemed to be the concern this year. Right. I mean, when I saw it, I'm like, so you got five power forwards, no true wings and like one actual point guard, who's not coming off of his second major surgery in three years. Right. Uh, And so I'm just like, How does this work? But uh, but Namari Burnett can handle the ball and can play the one, the two, and the three. I mean, he hasn't played a lot of one, but I mean, Namari Burnett as a shooter off ball has has really opened things up this year. And Doug McDaniel, like, I mean, he's just a flash. Like we saw it last year, um, but now it's... It's like go, go ahead, right? Instead of him having to defer to Jet, having to, I mean, he was the fourth option last year, right? Like, if 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 Jet's not doing it, if Kobe's not doing it, if Hunter's not doing it, then you can go. He was never able to do it. Now he is running the show, and like, I mean, this guy is as DMV as it comes. I mean, I I, I really enjoy uh, talking to Doug McDaniel. I mean, he's just he's just cool. He's just cool cat. Uh, and I mean, like, he's just a well, uh, he's just he's just a, he's just a dog. Um, but, uh, you could feel it when you talk to him.
0: It's not all that surprising because last year he had to step in for Llewellyn. I mean, after he got hurt, and so like you know he wasn't going to be the the main guy. Uh, you know, now that those guys left, and he's gained a ton of experience because Llewellyn was hurt and he was it running was- the play. I mean, it ends up being beneficial for for uh, Michigan now that you know he's he's got that experience. Plus, he uh, has this elevated role now because he has to in a lot of ways. Uh, so actually, you know, it worked out for them again. They've, they've developed these guys though. I mean, there is some development going on within, within, within the program as far as some of the players that they've, uh, actually had progress i mean uh, it, it's noticeable so, I, think. I
2: mean I, I i would push back a little bit on hunter dickinson yes he developed a three but that's more i think his role changing i mean he did not attempt yeah. a three the first he did not attempt a year a three the first year um yes of course he improved oh. his shot but he did not i mean he did not affect winning any more in his third year than he did his first year i mean he was an all-american <laughs> is is to start oh, no, and then no, he was no. not after yeah. so so, right. I, I mean, so I would argue that, and Terrence Williams. Uh, I mean, there was a year of regression. Now it seems he's he, he's done it again. I'm just and. But, and, but, but I, Bufkin's a good
0: example of a player that really.
2: Oh, you know, Kobe Bufkin is, is yeah, yeah, one, and, is the and, number one
0: example. McDaniel too. I mean, like it, there seems to be some. Some. I think some they're doing a good. Yeah, there. I mean, like whether it's the backcourt. I mean, maybe not as much as the front court, but. Uh, I mean, again, Dickinson developing some kind of outside game. What was uh, you know either a credit to him or yeah. coaching staff?
2: I'm saying if you look at a... the, the, the Howard tenure, sorry, really quickly, Andrew, and then it's absolutely mm-hmm. your turn. Like, I mean, Caleb Houston, like it's a one and guy done guys too, right? Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston. I mean, it's not to be, like. Mo, okay. I mean, I don't know Mo Wagner, Franz Wagner. Like these guys just kind of. He didn't have a really, chance. Well, not, Mo, not Mo. Not Mo. Not Mo. Not Mo. But um Franz, but just. He didn't
0: so, have yeah, so, players. You know, but when he's had the players multiple years, they seem to have added some aspect of their game or improved in some capacity. So, I mean, there is some credit there. I don't know if he's always gotten the right guys for what he wants to do. And, you know, I mean, if this is more indicative of what Howard's teams are going to look like, it may, you know, it may be good because it seems like he comes from the NBA and, you know, there is more free flow in offense. And so maybe this is, this is what, And then Hunter Dickinson created a, you know, maybe bogged it down a little bit just because, I mean, there was such an emphasis to throw it in the post, old Big Ten style, that maybe, you know, there wasn't uh, uh, as much of an emphasis on this kind of, you know, again, free flow and ball movement that you've described. And so I don't know. Uh, It's it's interesting, though. Uh, Maybe this is the true, this is what the true Michigan team is going to look like. I think
3: that the one thing about Doug McDaniels that I noticed was like right away he has that old school college leap look to him, if that makes sense, where it's like you don't see it as much now because of all the one and dones and the transfers and, and right. guys moving situations. There used to be one of the biggest factors was, OK, did player A get better from his freshman year to sophomore year? And you could almost, you know, count on it. Uh, you don't see it as much now, but he, he looks like he really did take that next big jump. Uh, and then just to kind of like, uh, you know, you guys' debate as far as Dickinson, I think you kind of, kind of both are right, where Dickinson did add a three-point shot. But I think Tony's point is that he didn't necessarily improve at the stuff that he could have to improve winning basketball, like, you know, his boxing out or, you know, his, his rim protection, stuff that actually is probably going to help him in the league more than anything and help his teams win, because that's what in modern basketball you need your centers to do. They need to box out. They need to rebound. They need to protect the rim, and they need to be able to catch lobs. And Dickinson, those are probably his 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 four biggest weaknesses. But he is so elite with touch uh, and around the rim, and, and, and you know, and scoring, and offensive rebounding. Um, so he does have skill
2: sets that are undeniable. You know, and also, John Howard, if you if he's developing a big. I mean, I, Juan Howard was not a three point shooter, right? He, like, you're the reason you go to play as big for Juwan Howard, it would be developing his image, right? That's what these guys have said. So, I mean, of course, you can teach someone to do something that was not your skill set. But um, I just, I mean, I think I don't want to get like, I'm not trying to take the credit away, but like, Howard Isley and what he's done with this offense oh, deserves, yeah. a ton, oh, yeah. deserves a ton of credit a ton, yeah. of credit. a ton of
0: credit. Howard and the staff, and it's clear that, you know, Phil Martelli is an excellent coach and has an excellent track record. So, I mean, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, Howard's absence is going to kill the, the you know, progress. And, and you know, in some ways, maybe, you know, Martelli can bring something more than Juwan Howard has. I mean, he's got a lot more experience for sure and has a much greater track record of success uh, as a head coach.
2: So far, so good. Uh, right. And uh, I guess Michigan basketball, will see if he can keep going. Friday against Long Beach State, uh, and then that's their last game at home uh, for, for a little while. For a couple of weeks, uh, they then head to the Bahamas for the Battle on Atlantis, uh, which starts on Wednesday, uh, November 22nd against Memphis. All right. Uh, That'll do it for this episode of Hail Yes. Uh, Thanks for listening. And uh, thanks, as always, to Editor-in-Chief Nicole Avery Nichols, Executive Editor Anjanette Delgado, Sports Editor Kirkland Crawford, Audio Engineer Robin Chan, uh, and Sports Editor and Show Producer Andrew Burkle, and Co-host Reiner Saban. Please rate, review, subscribe. uh, As you do, as they say, Uh, it is very helpful. And uh, stay tuned to uh, Freep.com for all the latest Uh, There will be a very busy week of uh, Michigan football watch. So uh, that's where to get your coverage. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.
1: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.